Hey guys, this is Bruce, and welcome back to Convo Courses Podcast. We're going to be talking about open topics, anything you want to talk about regarding cybersecurity, getting into GRC, governance, risk, and compliance, what this field is all about, some of the techniques. This is from the out, this is from an insider's perspective. I've been doing this since 2000, so I could tell you all about how to get in this field, some of the tricks of the trade, some of the things you need to worry about. Um, that's the kind of thing that we're going to talk about. So if you are interested in getting into cybersecurity, making more money, getting a solid career path, then this is the opportunity um, that you can actually ask me any question whatsoever. But since I don't have anybody watching right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. I'm going to answer some questions on YouTube. Let me see. I got some questions on YouTube. I just find that it's the best the best way to answer these questions since I get the same ones over and over again is just to answer them live. Um, let me see. Okay, here's a good question. I get this quite a bit. Somebody said, do, uh, do information system security officers need to know how to code? And that is a good question. And the answer is to, to that is no. So I've been doing information system security officer work for a long time. Now, most of the time uh, since I've been in this field, I've been doing. So it, let me back up a little bit. What is information system security officer work? What what does that mean? What is it? So it is it's GRC, basically. It's governance, risk and compliance. And what you're doing is making sure that an organization is compliant with regulations. It could be federal regulations, state regulations, banking, if they're in the banking sector, banking regulations. It could be making sure that they meet us uh, regulations for PCI compliance, which is like credit card, protecting credit card information. So that's what I do is I'm a person who figures out, okay, what are the, what kind of requirements do we need and what kind of things that we should be doing to protect ourselves as an institution, as an organization. That's the kind of stuff that I do. And do you need to code to do this? The answer is no. And, and I know that because I haven't had any organizations come in and there's, there's not been a time when they say, Hey, in order to, one of the requirements of this job is that you have to know C++, you have to know how to code JavaScript. You have to be able to code this or that. Um, I will say that some of the op jobs that I've had for cybersecurity analyst would need me to do some scripting or there'd be like little scripting here and there. And in my current job, scripting would be helpful. Like sometimes regex comes up, but that's not like really a programming language. And a lot of that stuff I can just Google how to, you know, how to parse certain information and then write some string of code or something to work on a tool that I'm using. So the answer is no, you do not know how to, you don't have to know how to code to do GRC work or information system security officer work um, much at all. Like I, I have not had anybody ask me in any job I've been in to, to code. So let me see if there's another question. Let me answer this one real quick. No, I have been doing this a long time. And I have not had to code some scripting here and there and there that I Google. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the truth. You know, there are some cybersecurity jobs that do require uh, coding and stuff. And it is better if you do know it. 
it's 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 like a superpower in cybersecurity if you know how to do it. And there's some fields that like probably pen testing or if you're doing apps app security or something like that, you probably have to know a little bit more about it. Would you become uh, would you ever become a federal employee? Um, I was a federal employee when I was in the Air Air Force. I was in the Air Force for eight years, eight plus years. And I was a federal employee. Um, there were some great things about it, and there were some bad things. Though. Pros and cons of being a federal employee. All right. Pros. They have amazing benefits. The, the private sector cannot compete at all with the federal sector's benefits. Their, their medical benefits are off the charts. Their educational benefits off the charts. Um, and then also job security. If you get in the federal government, and that's not just the military, but that's also a civil servant, like GS positions. I don't know what they're calling them these days, but it used to be called GS, which is a civilian that works directly for the Air Force, Army, Navy, D DISA, uh, DEA, whoever, DHS, whoever. But they work directly for them. Job security is better. They're not going to just fire you. Um, another great thing about it is uh, it's very routine. They're very, very routine with stuff. It's very stable with how, like what your work environment's gonna be. Uh, so those are my favorite things about being a federal employee. The bad things about being a federal employee is that the payout is not as good. Like the pay that you get in the private sector is is much more than you would get from the being a federal employee. Um, another thing is, um, what I've learned is like in the private sector, you have to be able to be more flexible to learn more things. So in the private sector, you have to you have to constantly learn to keep up with pace with what's going on. Whereas in the public sector, you you kind of I don't know if that's a pro or con, really. It kind of could be either way. It depends on what you want to do. But one of the good things about being on the outside is that you you get to learn more because you have to. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a pro or a con. It kind of depends on what you want to do. Um, other cons of being in the military, I mean, being in the in the federal in the federal employee, it doesn't pay as well. It's it's a slower pace, so you're not having to learn learn a whole bunch of stuff, which could be a good or bad thing. It's normally not remote. They don't really have a lot of remote jobs. They have some, but they don't have a lot. These days they have more, I guess. They call it telecommuting in the federal space. And um, what's another con of working for the federal? Federal, I believe those are for me. Those are the main things uh, that are kind of cons for it. It doesn't pay as good. Um, the good things about working in the private sector is it pays really well. It's uh, you have to be sharp. Like you got to always sharpen your skills. Um, another thing is it's, they tend to be like a lot more flexible, like you'd be able to work 100% remote or flex jobs, or you can, there's just more things you can do. Um, it, it kind of primes you for your next job too, because you're learning so many things that you, with all the skills you gather from being in the private sector, you, you're able to use those skills at your next job. Some of the bad things about being in the private sector is that it's it's a lot more volatile. Like they can just let you go. Like the, with these layoffs that are happening, they can just be like, "Up, oh, okay, our stocks aren't as good. See you later." You know, they can do that kind of stuff. Another bad thing about private sector is that their benefits are not that good. You know, they're just really not that good. It's it was a huge 
it was like having th cold water thrown on me when I got out of the military and I learned how bad the benefits were. I was like, I was shocked. I was like, this is, I don't know how people are doing this. You know, um, those are the main things I'd say, the pros and cons of each one. It's, and you said, uh, I recently accepted a GS-14 position as a cyber specialist, nervous but excited. Yep, economy and layoffs is why I'm converting into uh, from being a contractor to a Fed. Yeah, that's, that's a great reason. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with those that logic. Um, they've got their benefits are way better. It's more stable, especially if you're older, if you have kids. You know, like I'm, That's the situation I'm, I'm at to where I'm, I'm older. I have kids. So for somebody like me, it's probably a smarter move to do in the federal GS because I'm just it's just one. It's very, very stable. You got really great comp. They got really great benefits. It's going to really benefit me. I can't I'm not one of these dudes that are trying to do all these things like older people. I mean, you know, so um, it's if you're older, it's probably better. If you're younger, you're probably going to get bored by it and want to go do something else. So, you know, what's up, man? How you doing? How are you? Let me ask you some questions here. And if you guys didn't know, my name is Bruce. I do cybersecurity courses. If you're interested in free stuff and and um, having my newsletter where I'm releasing jobs, like jobs I can't take out, I'm already employed. So I just give those out. I'm, I'm about to release a free book here real soon because I need some reviews. So I'll give out free books. I'll be, give out free audio books, free courses, free stuff to the people who follow me directly. That's what this community is about. It's about sharing. It's about um, developing together as a you know one cohesive unit. But if you're interested in that, link in description, link in bio, and check me out. Um, let me see. YouTube question. Somebody said, what is the best technique on how to explain controls? So what I do to con explain controls to people is I usually try to speak the language of the person I'm talking to. If you're talking to a, let me let me explain that for a second. So what I mean is one of the best skills of a cybersecurity person is to be the ability to talk to different people in your organization, different tiers and different levels of people. You've got your your C-level execs, you know, who are upper level CEOs, CIOs, CISOs, those kind of people. You got to be able to speak to them in their language. Speak to the managers who speak a different language. And then, of course, the technical people and the customers. So with customers, you got to be kind of universal. You don't want to dumb it down too much, but you don't, you don't want to be too technical to where they can't understand what you're saying. And you want to stick with the deliverables. Like, what are we delivering to you? And are we hitting the mark of our of what our requirement is? So you got to like stay within those lines, right? You can't be saying all kind of crazy stuff to a customer, obviously, right? So if you're talking to a C-level exec, it's similar, but it's you got to be straight to the point because they don't have a lot of time. A CISO, a CIO, they're putting out major fires. They're doing big stuff. So you've got to have your stuff to get before you talk to them. You better have your stuff together. If you don't, if not a subject matter expert and they need that, you better have that person in the background waiting so you can ask that person, hey, man, what about this cloud stuff? Um, I've got James Smith on the line to talk about the cloud stuff. James Smith, could you go into go into more detail about this cloud stuff that the CISO needs to know? You want to be straight to the point, make an executive summary where you're just like, boom, 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 hitting all the points and then the, let them speak. And if they have any questions, do not by any stretch of the imagination try to BS them because they are usually pretty smart about catching BS 
and they're going to ask you more and more questions, which you don't want. So that's that's a, a C-level exec. And if you're talking to a manager, they're wanting to know, like, do we have the resources to do what we need to do? They're not normally going to go into the weeds on something, but they're going to want to know, like, how can we get this control done? What can we need to what do we need to do with this control? Right. So that's they're talking about resources of the control. Can we do it? Do we have the time, money and energy to do that? That's a manager. If you're talking to a technical person, now you're in the weeds of that control. A lot of times the wording of um, ISO 27001, the wording of PCI compliance, the wording of NIST 800 is kind of like it's, it's its own speak. It's, it sounds kind of like uh, academia speak. When you're reading it, it looks it sounds like a you're reading a, uh, an article from a from a scholarly you know doesn't doesn't make sense to a average technical person. A technical person, if you want to talk to them, you got to talk about the plugins. Like what plugins? Um, what do they need to do? What what does Microsoft say they need to do to fix this kind of thing? Right? Plugins coming from Tenable or coming from Qualys or whatever have a description, a detailed technical description of how to fix a certain vulnerability and and what is the control is just the security feature to fix that vulnerability so when you're talking to a technical person you want to be in the that much in the weeds they don't care no sister i mean they care about the resources and that like listen we don't have time to do it we're busy with this other thing and stuff like that and that's probably when you want to have a manager come in and and you guys talk together about it so how i talk about controls and explain is is from the is from the perspective of that person. If I'm talking to a CISO, I know that they don't have a lot of time. So I'm gonna have before I even go to the meeting, I have a pamphlet of stuff that I'm gonna be like, okay, and I'm just gonna summarize it. And if they need any more details, I'll give them more details. They have to ask me the details because I'm just gonna break it down point by point, get to the point, and we're out of there to explain the controls. And if I need more technical stuff, I'll have a technical guy right there. So that that's kind of how I explain controls and it's it works man it it every time i knock it out the park and i'm able to explain it to whatever level of of people i'm talking to um i got one from linkedin i like these linkedin questions let me some somebody said um i think it depends in the government if uh happens to work um in the government happens to work on different projects very great way to learn always call because uh, each project ten each project tends to work differently on different types of technologies and tools so let me see if i understand this question i think it's you type too fast man <laughs> i think it depends in the government on what gov okay what project you're working on. okay i understand what you're saying now so it, it we were talking before about whether or not it's good to work with the government or not whether you want to work government private sector or public sector government or private and this this guy from linkedin is saying uh it depends on the project you're working on and um what you can learn from the project and what technologies and tools you're using great point it really depends on the on the, the project and stuff I, I agree with that great point all right, let me go to TikTok. Uh, let me see what people are saying on TikTok. Let me see here. Um, thanks for the hearts. I appreciate that, guys. Um, I'm in NIST 800-171 role, and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> um, you'll learn. Like The way that I picked it up 
NIST 800 uh, stuff was to read the, the source documentation. So what you want to do is start off with 800-171 and just read it, right? And, and pick up what you can out of it. And I know the way they write it sometimes, it's a, it's a little confusing. But what I would do is I would just read through it. And that, I mean, this is how I learned, right? When I first got into this, I was doing DOD stuff. And it was kind of before the NIST 800 stuff. I was doing it back when it was like orange book, yellow book. I don't know if you remember the Rainbow Series. It was that kind of stuff. It it, it was, it's difficult to read. <laughs> but I just read through it and I was like, and the first time I read it, I was like, oh my Lord, this is like convoluted. It's leading me to all these other documents I have to read. But I just went through it. I just went through one by one. Okay, this document's referring to this one. This is basically telling me who's the directives, who, who controls what. And then the next document was telling me, okay, what does this, organization do and then the next one was leading to what tasks we need to do as an organization that's what you need to do take it from the top take the nist 800 171 read it all the way through take the references from that one like it's going to be referenced in other documents take those references read through those and you guys have a set of controls that you have to do in the in the uh, nist 800 171 um and read through those too like read through what needs to happen and after a while you get this picture of what's supposed to happen in a nutshell I could tell you with the nist uh 800-171 what you're doing is if you're in this role is you're helping the organization be compliant and meet the needs of the federal partner that your company is working for if you happen to be a company that's supplying tires for a humvee for the army right you guys don't have federal systems. You guys have your own computers, but those computers are are either processing or storing or transferring information from a government agency of some sort. And what you're doing is making sure that your organization is within compliance so that you can continue to do business with the federal government in a way that is protected. Because what's happening is with the government, it's no joke. OK, so the government is often getting attacked by other governments. Right. And this is no secret. I'm not really revealing any, you know, secret information or something like that. This is no secret. Everybody knows this. Um, they call APTs like advanced persistent threats. So you're you're having companies. Your company is a soft target for large other organizations, hacker groups, um, government funded hacker groups. So you guys have to protect yourself. And so the 800-171 is, is a way to make sure that your organization meets all those controls when they're providing information and services to the government. So that, in a nutshell, that's what you're doing. And that means making sure your documentation is straight, making sure that you do continuous monitoring, making sure you have things, controls, like I think one of your controls is the audit log controls, AU, uh, AU group of controls. So that's the kind of stuff you're doing is making sure that your organization has a certain level of security posture um, that that is compliant with the federal uh, government or whatever organization you're working with. Hope that answers the question. Uh, let me see. Let me answer another question from YouTube. And the question is, is it better to go to a position in the government or private when starting out? I heard many times that the government is quite slow in terms of adopting new technology. Um, this is a great question. Um, great question, sir. So I would say it 
whatever opportunity you get, let me just say, first of all, if you have an opportunity to work directly for the government as a GS, GS9, GS, you know, 10, GS4, even whatever, any new experience that you can get from these organizations is great. Um, because they're going to you're going to get a perspective on the inside that a lot of private sector people don't get. And that will allow you to get more jobs and level up within the government, either outside and inside the government, because you'll know all the terminology and things like that. People outside the government who want to come in are at a huge disadvantage because they don't know the terminology. They don't know how it works. They don't. There's just a whole world that you are not privy to if you're not out inside the government. If you happen to have been in the military or something like that, then you kind of know the speak, you know the acronyms, you know how it works, you know what organizations, how they work together. You know, you just know it because you've been around it so long. So if you get the opportunity as a new person to either do private or public sector, government or, you know, working for Google or whoever, then take it. Take that opportunity. Which one is better really depends, I think, on the job, on the on the role you're going to take and on the job. I would say if you're offered a role that's exactly what you want, let's say you always want to be a project management person. And if the role is literally a project management GS 10 or GS 9, whatever, dude, that's a great opportunity. You should take it. GS, uh, pro- project managers are in the government are that's one of the best places you can be a project manager. If it's like a role that you're going to take from some small private organization and it's something you always wanted it's a it's a pen testing junior you're a junior pen tester level one at um doors academy llc or something right and it's a small 500 person company and um they're gonna give you that title that's if you if that's what you want to do that's a great you want to get that title because you could put that on your resume you work there for eight to months to a year that's huge upon your resume because now you're going to be able to dive deeper into that field that you want or know that you don't want to do that, you know, and, and shift gears and do something else. So it really depends not on whether or not you, you know, which one you want to do. It's more about for me personally, it would be the, about the opportunity, which one in my personal opinion would be better. It still depends. It depends on what you want to do. For me personally, government was great. It was better because it got me exposure to NIST 800 in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not gone and been in, in the military, right? Which is also a government type position. So for me, but if you were in a pen tester, probably it'd be better. If you're doing, I'll put it to you like this. If you're doing super highly technical stuff and that's what you want to do, then probably the private sector is better. Probably private sector is better. If you are more of like a management type person, if you are more of like a project management GRC positions, those typically are going to be better working in the in the government because you're going to get a much better exposure to that type of work. So that that would be the only like pros and cons of each one. I would say the government, like you said in your comment, the government does tend to be kind of slow with technology. Like with all this AI stuff, it's going to be five years by the time the government, maybe maybe two years, three years before the government is going to adopt that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's going to allow that stuff because they like to let all the bugs kind of go out of it before they adopt it. You know, um, I, I probably AI is so effective that they might adopt it within a year and a half. Whereas other organizations are already trying to get being in there, trying to use, you know, they're trying to use this stuff as fast as possible, but the government is kind of slow with technology.
All right. I got another question here. Um, let me answer this one a little bit later. That one, that one sounds like it's in depth. Let me answer some questions from TikTok. Somebody said, I'm transitioning into the cybersecurity field and I'm attending an intense cybersecurity program. That's awesome. Stick with it. Stick with it. I just enlisted as a 525 Bravo in the middle. Okay, this sounds exactly like, are you on two different channels here? I'm getting the same question. Okay, I might as well answer this question. So he said, I'm, I just enlisted as a 25 Bravo in the military and I want to do cybersecurity. Awesome. Okay, and this other question said, I'm currently enlisted in as a 25 Bravo <laughs> information technology specialist. This is the same person. And I'm also currently pursuing a degree in cybersecurity. How do I put my military experience on my resume? That's a great question. So um, this is something I have a lot of experience, experience on because this is exactly what I did when I was in the military. I was a we called it um, 3COX1 when I was in. And I believe it's the same as a 25 Bravo. Um, it's, it's the same stuff. We were computer operators doing the same thing that you guys are doing. Um, what you want to do with your uh, military um, resume is you don't want to use a lot of acronyms. Like the military tends to use a lot of in-house acronyms that only mean something to the Army. Like it literally only means something to the Army or only means something to the Air Force or only means something to the Navy. Like if you're in the Navy, you're reading it. It will make sense. But if I'm in the I'm from the Air Force, sometimes I'll read somebody from the Navy stuff and I'm like, I don't know what ComNav Bravo is. I don't know what ComStar Nav, you know, Poseidon one means like I don't know what that stuff means. So you want to what you want to do is interpret it in a way that it, it's if you explain what it is rather than putting the name of it in there, it will make more sense. Like, let me see if I can give you an example without getting myself in trouble. <laughs> um, so I worked with a system. Okay, this one's good. Okay, I saw at one point I worked with a weather system and it was, it had an acronym and it was, let's say it was called a, a solar orbital environmental system, right? And so we called it CEOS or whatever. And that's when, when I was there, that's what we called it. And it meant something to everybody who was in the Air Force. But if anybody else read it, they, they don't know what that meant. So what you want to do is break down the meaning of it. The meaning of it was it was a it was a it was a Linux based mission system. So I could say worked on I was a system admin for a red hat. You know, I'm being very specific on what it was for a red hat system that processed scientific data. So I'm now I'm using a couple of key words that mean something to any IT professional who's going to use it. What you want to do is break out any kind of words you have like that. You know, people are not going to know what a, a 25 Bravo is. Me, I, I've had exposure to what it is. I know that's that's a MOS for the Army. I was in the Air Force, but I know what that means only because I have so much exposure to the Army. So, um, yeah, so that's that's what you that's that's how you got to word it. So you would want to name yourself an information technology specialist in your role. The role will be information technology specialist for the Army from year X to X, you know, year 2023 to to current or whatever 
you know, the time frame is. And then when you explain all the bullets, you want to, you don't like another thing that we do in the military was that we would put the operation in there. Like it could be operation, um, uh, Centaur Bravo in Korea. And we all know what that means, right? I've just made that up off the top of my head. It's not some top secret crap. You know, <laughs> I just made that up, but it will be named some weird stuff that we all know in the air force, what it was, but nobody outside would know. So I would want to break that up and say, I uh, led a team of five people connecting uh, a Cisco network on two classified environments or something like that. I would break down what it actually was rather than putting in those catchphrases that only mean something to the Air Force or the Army or the Navy or the Marines. So that's how you do it. And if you're interested in knowing more about this and knowing how somebody who was in your position, I'm I'm a vet. So you can download my resume for free and get an idea of how I break it down because I put stuff in there that you won't see military stuff in there. Like you'll you'll if you read it, you'll be like, okay, this must have been, you know, you'll see that it's but it's not like I'm breaking it down to where it's like I'm talking about the actual technology. But that's how you do it. But if you want this like that kind of stuff, just download my free resume, check it out and then get an idea of the wording that you need to do. Hope that helps both of you guys, or if that's the same person, I don't know. Um, let me see here. Let me see here. Um, what certifications matter now or will matter in the future? So certifications really are going to depend on what field you're going in. Even in cybersecurity as a whole, it really depends on what you're doing. If you're a network, I can tell you off the top of my head, the ones that matter right now. If you're in networking, the one, the top ones are going to be Cisco certifications, vendor level. Uh, all, all the networking stuff is vendor level certifications. So Cisco is probably one of the top ones. Another really good one is going to be um, VMware is a really good one, especially for uh, virtual systems. And then you've got Juniper is another networking any any one of those networking certifications are good. With cloud, you want to stick with AWS cloud certifications, Google cloud certifications, IBM cloud certifications, Oracle cloud certifications, possibly Salesforce, and then, of course, Azure from Microsoft. Those are the top ones, but you can get other ones, but those are the ones that are the most hot right now. With vendor-level certification, what I mean by vendor is if the active Microsoft, for example, or Oracle, the problem with those is that they – they change often and sometimes they just they're just gone like they'll just disappear like they'll be they'll the company will just they'll just say nope this one doesn't matter anymore we we're not supporting it we we're discontinuing it so that's the problem with vendor level certifications so the ones i just named are all vendor level certifications with the exception of um uh, there's a couple of non-vendor certifications and unfortunately networking doesn't have any really good ones. You got Network Plus, but that's not it's not a very good certification for marketability and it's an entry level certification. Um with cloud, you got a couple. With cloud, you have um IC2 squared has a cloud certification that's vendor neutral. Um and then you've got a CompTIA Cloud Plus, which is vendor neutral. What that means like it doesn't matter if if the vendor if Microsoft says the AZ900 cloud certification no longer exists, and we've, we've renamed it to something else. So 
you want to stick with non-vendor ones when you can, but in the case of like networking certification, unfortunately there's no like real good equivalent. You've got to just go deep into that one product. And that kind of sucks about that. But ones that are going to stand the test of time, I think for cybersecurity is going to be the security plus, um, the CISSP, um, probably the CEH. I know people hate to hear that, but CEH will be around for a long time. Um, ones that are, are really good that you should look into if you're a hacker is OSC, OSCP is a good one. I think that one's going to be a long, all the Kali Linux ones are going to be around for a long time. Um, Red Hat, I think those certifications are going to shift and change, but if you have a good understanding enough to get the certification, that company and that system is going to be around a long time. Microsoft changes their stuff a lot. So I can't say any of those certifications. I mean, if you get on that track, you're going to be always updating like every few years, every five years or so. You're going to have to like change some stuff or retake, you know, whoever, who knows. And that's the same thing with Cisco, by the way. They change stuff a lot over probably every, I would say every six to 10 years, they'll change stuff up, the names of the system or whatever, you know, or they'll grandfather you into another certification or something like that. Hope that answers your question. The government is the worst when it comes to tech debt. I don't know what that means. Credit card due, middle management. Okay, let me see. Is, is a master's worth it in cybersecurity? Yes. And a master's degree is, is awesome in cybersecurity. And the reason why is because if you it depends on what you want to do. If you are trying to become a, a manager, a master's degree is a must. Like you're gonna have because you're gonna you're gonna be competing against other people in management positions who have master's degrees. So if you don't have a crap load of of experience and you're going against a guy with a master's degree, uh master's degree guy with a little bit of experience in management might take might take that spot because they're gonna look better on paper. You know, unless you're just you go on the interview in front of a panel of people and just blow their minds, which can happen. But master's degrees is going to get you in the door for management positions. But as far as a typical. Typical cyber guy like myself, I don't have a master's degree. I'm making six figures. I'm doing good. I work from home, but you don't have to have one. But if you if I wanted to be a manager, I would probably have to go for a, ma a master's degree because I'm going to be competing with guys who have master's degrees. So, um, can I get a good job um, after my AIT training? I'm a 25 Bravo military. Yes. So, let me explain, explain some, some, some stuff to you. If you happen to be a 25 Bravo, if you're in the military doing IT stuff. So, the couple things here. Number one, when you go through the training, all that training is just like a college course. In fact, it's better because it's kind of like hands-on. Um, so once you get out of all your training in the military and everything, go to a counselor. This should be one on base. Go to a counselor and they will be able to take all your credits from all the classes you've been to, all your military training, including basic training. And that stuff counts towards a degree. And then that when you actually go for an associate's or a bachelor's, you don't have to. There's a whole bunch of courses you don't have to take. There's a whole bunch of you already have like 30 40 credits or whatever. 
and they'll apply that towards a ma a associate's degree or a bachelor's degree or ma whatever you're doing. And um, then they'll say, okay, you've got 40 credits towards a associate's degree in information technology or information systems or whatever, or computer science or whatever you're going to do. And then they'll say, you have to take these other classes. I know because I did, this is exactly what I did. You have to take these other classes and then you have a an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree or whatever, you know, so it does it help. It does help you to get the degree. And then when you get out of the military, that degree will help you to get land a job. And the best thing about the military is that you're going to get experience, hands on experience that a lot of people don't get. So military is incredible. Um, there's there are definitely pros and cons to the military. So I would not suggest I do not tell my kids to go in the military. <laughs> it's just not for everybody. So but if you're already in, holy crap, there's so many benefits. And when, you know, we just scratched the surface of them and you just got to get yourself knowledgeable of them, of those uh, benefits. What certifications matter? It depends on what you're trying to do. So the cybersecurity field is huge. And I'll just name a couple of categories of cybersecurity. Um, one is that you don't think about is cryptography. Cryptography is a branch of cybersecurity. Another one is what I do, which is GRC type work where I'm making sure that organizations are in line with certain policies. Another one would be um, pen testing, which I'm sure you hear a lot about all these guys saying, oh, you can be a hacker. You know, you can do this cool stuff and hacking people's accounts or, you know, <laughs> do all the kind. So that that's another branch. So there's there's that's three different branches of cybersecurity that are completely different that require different certifications, different skill sets, different experience, different certifications and um, degrees that they're looking for, for each one of those categories. And let's say you were going to become a ethical hacker, right? So there's certain certifications that they look for. They're not super heavy on the degrees um, because they are looking for people who can do the work. The degree, the certifications that you'd want to get for a um, ethical hacker would be things like Kali Linux certifications. Uh, look up uh, off offensive security. They've got some of the best stuff out there. CEH is really marketable, um, but that's a good entry level certification. Another one's called SANS GPEN certification. There's another one called CompTIA PIN Plus, PIN Test Plus, I think it's called. So those are all certifications that would mean something to that particular field of cybersecurity. Then you got mine, which is policies, GRC, governance, risk, and compliance. For ours, it's going to be things like the Security Plus is really good. Um, another one would be the GRC CAP, formerly GRC CAP. Now it's called the G G R C G R C. Um, so that's the certification. CISSP is super good. Um, those those are certifications that matter a lot in this field. And really, it's not certifications. It's about experience in both of those. So it depends on what area you're going in, where the certification is going to matter. It's certain certifications matter with certain areas. But I can tell you, among all of these, experience is king over all of that. So the, the main thing you should focus on is experience and trying to get as much experience as you can in the field you're trying to go in. And you might be saying, well, how do I get experience if I don't have experience? You can do volunteer work. First of all, you got to know the knowledge. Like you got to crack open a book and start reading. You can't just watch videos. At some point, you're going to have to crack open a book. I heard somebody jump on here and say, oh, I'll never read. 
I'm not going to li listen. <laughs> like, at some point, you're going to have to open a book and read it. So, you know, it's not all videos and uh, tests online or whatever. You're going to have to crack open a book and read it, you know, where there's an and it's going to probably have to not be an audio book, too. Like, you have to crack open a book and read it. OK, let me see here. Um, I was going to finish my degree after the military. You should finish it in the military. Multiple 5D vets told me the same. 25D vets. Okay. I get college credits for military anyway. I just want to know if I can in, get internship offers after the military. Man, you don't have to. Listen, I'm telling you what to do to get a job. You, When you get out of the military, you don't have to do an internship. You've done an internship for X amount of years. The military is your internship. When you get out, bro, listen, Here, I'm telling you what to do. <laughs> I hope you listen to me, man. Listen, number one, get the degree while you're in. Like how many years do you have? Two, three? You can get a degree in that time. You you already have enough credits like to get very close to a degree. Get it while you're in. It's not even that. You might have to take a couple classes. I'm telling you, you can even test out of the classes. You can take something called Dante's. Listen to what I'm telling you. There's something called CLEP and Dante's, where it's literally you just take a test, you pass it, and then they give you the credits. And you can have an associate's degree without going to any school. Then you have an associate's degree without going to any school. Then if you want to become a bachelor's degree, that takes a little more, more effort. You have to go to a class. You know, you have to do class. But you can do some of that online. You know, online class. Get a degree before you get out. The internship you're doing in the military is you're already doing it. You're literally already doing an internship. When you get out, you'll be able to say, well, I hooked up these networks on a $40 billion system. Because literally, they're especially you look young. You, you are you are 18, 19, 20-year-old person working on multi-million dollar systems. You got to put that in your resume. Then when you get out, the stuff that you that you have done in the military will pay it will eclipse the stuff that you're going to be you're asking them to do on their systems because you you're working on systems that are super important so uh yeah when you get out you don't have to you you'll be able to just go ahead and just apply for a job it won't be an internship it'll be a full-time job part-time job whatever um somebody said dod is terrible job is a terrible job huge turnover um, it's difficult, but what I'm saying is if you're already in, make the best of it. It's got a lot of benefits, um, a lot of pros and cons, but if you're already in there, man, take it full advantage of it. Take, get your degree on it. They're going to pay for your degree, man. Like travel the world. That's listen, bad things about the military. Okay. I went to two different war zones. All right. It sucked. Okay. I'm just going to say is it's, it wasn't fun. <laughs> um, it, uh, I was working 24-7 sometimes. Like, I was working 24-7. I saw some crazy stuff. Um, I had to do stuff that I didn't want to do. It was hard. Um, it was difficult. It took a lot of discipline. Um, more discipline than most people can handle, to be honest. Like, more discipline than most people can handle. But the great thing about that is when you get out, the discipline that it takes to be in the civilian world is nothing compared to what you have to do in the military. Uh, the pros are is this benefits. Okay, 
you get a VA loan. Like nobody talks about this, but a VA loan for housing is the best possible loan you can get for housing. You can literally get out. The bank will give you money to buy a house. And a lot of people, millennials in particular, having a hard time. But with a VA loan, like you, there's a lot of things you don't have to worry about. That VA loan is the best loan you could possibly get. Um, they, You got the GI Bill. You got tuition assistance when you're in. You can definitely get a degree, but a lot of military vets, for some reason, don't take advantage of that. Um, but they're going to take care of that. Uh, you've got, if you make, have any injuries whatsoever uh, before you get out, they're going to cover that. But you got to, you got to tell them, you got to, you got to tell them and you got to put in writing, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's all kinds of ben the benefits. I was able to travel the world. I went to 15 when I was in about maybe 10, 10 or 12 countries. Um, I, I was able to get not only degrees, but, but um, certifications. I was uh, able to get hands-on experience on several different platforms in real-world environments where it was, I mean, the stakes were high. And to be able to do that gives you a level of confidence that in the, in the private sector you don't often get. So those are some of the pros and cons. That being said, it's really not for everybody. If you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go into the Marines, I'm going to go into the Air Force, no. This is not for everybody. <laughs> it's not. Don't like really do your research before you do it. It's not. It's definitely uh, not for the faint of heart. It's it's they weed you. They try to. The first thing that you do is try to weed out the weak and and people who are not 100 percent down. That's the first thing they do. That's what boot training boot boot camp is all boot training <laughs> boots. Boot camp is all about. Um. So um. that that being said, if you're already in, take advantage of the opportunities don't let it go to waste because if you don't use it you know you lose it where can i get internships to have experience in cybersecurity? um so internships if you go to this is the last question i'm gonna read on tiktok now we'll go to youtube so if you go to uh, linkedin go to linkedin type in any job you want i would suggest if you have no experience i would suggest it just type in it or help desk or something like that. And then you can do cybersecurity too. Just type something in and then look for jobs. And then you'll have a filter that looks for people with no experience, internships and stuff like that. That's what you want to click uh, on. So that's, that's how you would do it. And I can show a, do a quick demonstration real quick. I'm going to go to LinkedIn uh, and I'm going to type in uh, cybersecurity. I'm going to switch my screen here. I'm, I'm currently on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Oh, whoops. What am I doing? Cyber security entry level. So I'm on LinkedIn right now. And then here I am searching for jobs. And now I'm going to search for experience level is going to be you can do entry level, but you can do internships. There's 26 jobs in the United States, 126 for internships. And then boom, those are all the internships right there. Who is this person? Sorry about that. Let me close that. So these are all internships jobs right here. That's how you find them. And you can do the same thing with Indeed. Let me show you here. 
You can do the same thing with Indeed. You can do the same thing with Monster. They all have the same kind of thing. These are all internships right here. That's how you do it. Okay, let me answer some questions on, on YouTube real quick. I'm not going to be on here too long, guys. I just want to, to do my 1 o'clock special here. Somebody said... um. Cisco released the Cisco Certified Support Technician in Cybersecurity as a CERT and Career Path. And it's an entry-level certification. What are your thoughts? Uh, should I focus on that or the CompTIA A+. So, Freddie, it really depends on what you're trying to do, my man. Um, it, it If you could give me some more insight on what you're trying to do, I can give you some good advice on that. Like, right now, I could, I could tell you this. Um, I can tell you this, if you're trying to just do, if you're trying to get into networking, like if you're trying to go super deep into network security or network engineer, and that's what, for me, when I first started, I was super excited about networking. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I did it. And after about a year doing it, I was like, okay, I don't like this. <laughs> like I've had enough, you know what I mean? Like it was fun, but now it's time for me to move on. Uh, but if, if that's what you want to do, like some people are just, they just take to it like a fish to water. So if that's you, then yeah, do it. Like I would do Cisco. That's, that would be perfect. Cisco support technician would be perfect for you. If that's the track you want to go now, you're looking for a sock role. So if you're doing sock roles or anything related to cybersecurity in general, security plus hands down is the best security certification for entry level that you could do. There's no question. There's no doubt. There's no hesitation in my mind. It's the best one. It's more marketable. It's um, it's it's going to be accepted in GRC positions and SOC positions in in cybersecurity analyst positions. It's just all around. It's just a great, great certification and it's highly marketable. Everybody knows what it is. If you're doing Cisco certifications, it's very targeted. It's on one vendor it's it's a great there are great certifications. I used to have Cisco certifications. I had a CCNA at one point. So it's it's very specific. It's they're they really are great at testing you out. If you pass that cert, you really know what you're talking about. You know know what you're doing because you it's it's hands on. Like it's have you have to actually be inside of the router. You have to know how to configure it. You got to know how to back it up. You got to know like you got to do all that stuff to get that certification. So. That being said, if you have a, if you're trying to be a generalist, if you're trying to do SOC analyst, cybersecurity analyst work, then my advice would be the Security Plus, hands down. If you can, if you're in a place where you can get it, and, and take and sit for that test and do that. Uh, let me see. Joe says during the technical interview, which, uh, which is the last interview, what would be, what would you be looking for in a client during the interview? From behavioral questions to to the technical questions, what would be what I'm looking for in a client? So what if while I'm interviewing them, you mean like if I'm like we're doing the technical interviews and like what am I looking for? Um, what what would be the what would be what would you be looking for in a client during the interview from behavioral questions? Two technical questions. So I, I'm not sure. Let me just. OK, I think I know what you're talking about. So I'm just going to try to explain it best way I can. 
So if you're saying, what do I look for as an employer looking for um, in an employee? I'm looking for a willingness to, to learn and adjust and be a part of a team. I'm looking for somebody who's who's very good at articulating what they mean, like a very good communicator, um, because that tells me that this person can work in a team. Um, so that's one thing I'm looking for as an employer. Whenever I'm interviewing people, I'm looking for uh, who can work with with our team and who can um, because cybersecurity really requires somebody who's mature and has emotional intelligence and can communicate. You can learn the technical stuff. So if they're not super sharp on technical, unless they're like really don't know what the hell's going on, then it's like, yo, this guy didn't even crack a book. This person doesn't know basic ports, protocols and services. They don't know. Like this is stuff you should have learned. You could have took five minutes to learn that before this interview. That just makes me mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to waste my time, your time, everybody's time. But you got to know the basics at least. Right. So I'm looking for somebody who knows the basic stuff basic, basic stuff. I'm not telling you to program. I'm not telling you to, I'm not asking you complex questions. I'm not throwing trick questions, basic things you need to know. Right. I'm not even talking about security plus basic. I'm talking about you crack the book open. You have some idea was, if I ask you basic ports, protocols, and services, you should know them. If I know, if I ask you what's port 25, you should know that. Right. If I ask you what's the difference between a public IP and a private IP. You should be offended that I even ask you that question. So it should be like that. that's simple, simple stuff that every cybersecurity person, basic stuff should know. So I'm not telling you how do you make a subnet mask out of this IP or something like that, you know. But other than that, I want somebody who's going to be able to work with a team and communicate well, because that's one of the things that's really it's really lost on some IT people, or cybersecurity people. And I, it's really difficult to it's easier to teach a cybersecurity technical things than it is to teach them social skills. Does that make sense? Because social skills are kind of baked into a person because it, it becomes who they are. You know, they, they become that person that says, well, I'm going to tell it like it is, you know, and 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 treat people like crap or I'm going to, you know, like that. This is who I am. You know, that's, they it's they're already who they are you can't change like social that that social uh intelligence that emotional intelligence is something that people it's just who they are and and you can't really teach people like especially older people it's hard to teach them you know to to like like you need to like dial it down a notch bro you know what i mean <laughs> like you but it, but technical stuff you could just be like hey read this manual man like here's here's the Here's the how you do um, read, write, and execute privileges on a Linux system or something. That, that's something you could teach anybody. But emotional skills, social skills is harder. You know, port 25 is SMP. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you'd be hired. You're hired, Freddie. <laughs> good job. Good job. Okay. Um, let me see. I'm going to ask a question answer a question on any free cybersecurity programs. Um, yes. So if you go to, if you go to my site, com, uh, link in description, go to my site. I've got a ton of free stuff. Um, it's convocourses.net, convocourses.com. I got a ton of free training, free stuff that you can download free, but there's also free stuff on YouTube, tons of free stuff on YouTube. Um, 
comprehensive free stuff on YouTube. Um, there's really no excuse not to, to learn basic things. Um, another one is U Udemy doesn't have free stuff, but they have very, very cheap, uh, very, very discounted. If Especially if you're first time going there, they have these huge discounts where you can get a $200 thing for 14 bucks. So uh, I would say my stuff, first of all, if you're trying to, you know, I've got a ton of free stuff, downloadables, and then I've got uh, free courses. And then you've got YouTube, tons and tons and tons of free stuff. Anything you want is there. Any kind of stuff you want. Now, finding it, finding a good one is going to take you some time to do. Uh, but it's there. You've got even free books. You got a ton of free books that are like a bunch of old Security Plus books. If you look, you can find free books on Security Plus that's out there or very discounted books that are kind of they're they're the previous version of the Security Plus. But most of the stuff is still relevant. So you can find free and very highly discounted books there. Anything you like, you just got to. It's there. And actually. Another big one, huge, huge one that is very effective is the AI, AI uh, ChatGPT. If you search, you go to use ChatGPT, it's free. And then just whatever question you have. The, the problem is if you're new, you don't know what questions to ask. But any question you have, it's there. It's all there. You can literally say, give me the curriculum for Security Plus. And it'll break it down. And then you can go down the list and be like, okay, explain this domain. Now explain this domain. Now explain this domain. And then you don't understand something. Okay, tell me what AES encryption is. Tell me what WEP is. Tell me what uh, WAP is. That doesn't translate well on video, does it? That's a, oh my Lord. So that is a wireless standard, by the way. It's, it's encryption. So it's not, anyway, okay. Um, let me see here. I've got some more stuff here. Questions, comments, complaints. If I lose my mind setting up dev, I lose my mind setting up dev environments. Any advice for a high schooler trying to get into security, get a, to get security plus. Um, yeah, so I get this question often. So if I was in high school, what would I do? Know what I know now? Uh, I would, uh, what I would do is if, first of all, if you have the opportunity to do it, go to, uh, go to college. Go to, I know it's not popular. I know it's highly, you know, it's because of the prices of college and stuff. Um, I know people are crapping all over college, saying you don't have to go to college and blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's the best. It's one of the best things you can do because it gives you way more opportunities, gives you way more networking. You'll network with people that you might not have even talked to. You'll know you'll get to know the school is great. But the people you meet, the students, the people who are making labs in their in their in their dorm rooms or in their house, you get to meet people like that, like minded people who are also on the same track. And, and that's where a lot of the learning comes in. So that, there's that. If you can't do that, if you don't believe in school, if you don't have the money for it, then okay, you can. Don't worry. Like, here's what you can do. You want to get experience. Any way you can get experience as a high school student, you want to get it. So that means if you volunteer for setting up networks, like if you know how to do wireless, and if you don't know how, you gotta learn it. 
like crack open a book, start reading, go to YouTube videos, watch as many as possible and learn to set it. Set it up in your own house first. Mess around with your own network in your house. Set up your Wi-Fi network. Set up your local area network. Learn what they are. Take computers apart. Put them back together. Create projects where you are putting a gaming system. Make it fun. Say, okay, I want to make a gaming system. Put together a gaming system. All this stuff takes time, money, and energy. But if you find the thing is, you got to find a way. And that's the great thing about college is it forces you to find a way. It forces you to find a way. But if you don't have those resources, not the end of the world. You can still do it, especially with all the resources on the internet. If you want to learn to become a hacker, you can learn it. I mean, there's something called Hack the Box. Um, there's several other free and very cheap resources that you can do online that teach you literally how to hack and be an ethical hacker. If you're trying to take the Security Plus in particular, the first thing you need to do is learn the basics of information technology, which is um, an A-plus certification is the first step before you get a Security Plus if you don't know anything. If you happen to be a high-speed geek, you've been doing this for a while since you were came out the womb and you start configuring routers and, and hacking stuff and you just happen to be a super nerd, then you're in luck. You can just go, and go straight into the Security Plus, take it. <laughs> Study the study a book for a while and then go take it. Um, that's that's what I would do is number one, puts put experience first, create projects, uh, learn how to code if that's what you if that's the track you want to go in. Learn it's more important than the security plus, and then eventually take the security plus when you're when you're ready for it. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I got some more questions here. I'm not going to be on here too much longer, guys. I just wanted to do a quick meet and greet. Um, I will be doing lives throughout the week, so be ready for that. Let me see if I can answer some questions really fast. Uh, I started my ISO job on Tuesday. Any tips? I started. Okay. Yes, I have some tips. Okay. Tip number one. Communication is the most important part of being an ISO. You have to communicate with several different levels of your organization, your C-level execs, your managers, and your technical people. Each one of these people require a different type of explanation from you. C-level execs, keep it straight to the point. Managers, they're going to be worried about resources, time, money, energy. How do we do this? How do we accomplish this? And then when you have meetings with technical people, they're not going to understand some of the jargon that you that we have, like policy stuff. They don't really care about policy stuff. They care about what technical thing they need to fix. See things from their perspective. Um, see it from their perspective, and it'll make the communication a lot easier. A C-level person don't have time, so you got to get to straight to the point and have your stuff together. A manager, they're worried about how do we manage the resources. And a technical person, they just want to know, what do I need to do to fix this? What What do you want me to fix? What do you need it from us? Technical stuff. They want to know the technical stuff of how to fix it. Um, so if you see stuff from their perspective, it makes it much easier to communicate. Another thing is CYA, cover your ass. Do that with emails. So what you want to do is whenever you communicate something, send it in an informal or formal um in an email and then keep that email because a lot of times what happens is people you'll tell somebody hey we need to fix this critical finding right and it has to be fixed within seven days and you just send that on its way you can be cur kind courteous in the email that's fine keep the email because more than likely they will not fix that system in seven days 
And then what will happen is the managers or C-levels go, hey, why is this not finished? And what's going on? And the IT people will be like, well, I don't know. I, nobody told me to do it. And you could show them the email and be like, yeah, we did. We talked about this on this day. I guess it just got lost in email. CYA. That's another thing I would tell you to do. Other thing is, here's a, here's a big one. Realize that cybersecurity is not just your job. It's everyone's job. Don't take on the burdens of the entire organization on your shoulders. You are like a reporter. You are merely reporting what the organization is supposed to do in accordance with the regulations and policies. The policy, for lack of a better word, is like their Bible. Everything that they're supposed to be doing is supposed to be in the policy, procedures, and processes. It has, it's supposed to be written down. It's supposed to be something everybody follows. So you, res, the responsibility of cybersecurity is everyone's, is everyone's job. It's not just yours. And that was something that took me a long time to learn, having come from a physical security background where there's a lot of stress because you, you, you have a, a great amount of responsibility to, you know, resources and people that you're protecting. But with cybersecurity, it's everybody's job. It's not just your job. It's everyone's job. So don't take on the responsibilities of the entire organization. And and that's those are my tips for ISO work. Um, I use ChatGPT to code more efficiently. Would you hire me? Um, I would hire a coder who um, who would be able to fit to uh, fix my issues. So whatever the issues that I had, if they could articulate how they would be able to help me, I don't care what tools they use. I mean, I I would care in in that if if it was a government partner or somebody who had like a bank or something like that, they probably don't want their information on, on chat GPT. So um, chat GPT only takes you so far. You know what I mean? So not to say that's not a great tool. It's great. It's awesome. But there's going to be instances where I need somebody who's going to handle my proprietary information and I ain't going to be able to put it on chat. I don't know if you heard, but chat GPT has a, a security flaw where it was displaying other people's chats. It was, it was displaying the title of their chat to other people because <laughs> I mean, I don't know why that happened. I recently fixed it, but it's publicly available. So, you know, so what happened on Reddit, <laughs> Reddit's crazy, man. Reddit has some great stuff on chat GPT. It's on another level, but Reddit, some dude just get, went on there and said, Hey, you know, I'm seeing Chinese. I'm seeing, I'm seeing, um, uh, chats in kanji. And in uh, in Chinese, I don't know if it was it was kanji, Japanese or Chinese, but he was he was showed a screenshot of it looked like Chinese to me. And um, he was showing all of the Chinese uh, pictograms, right? The words, Chinese words. And he's saying, is anybody else seeing this? And somebody kind of laughed and said, yeah, you know, I've seen other people's. So it's not very secure just yet. It's going to get there, but it's not there yet. So would I hire you? It depends. Like for my own personal stuff, yeah, probably. I would hire a dude using uh, ChatGPT on my like, you know, my personal app or something. Uh, Crypto Baby says, "Hi, I have a Security Plus, but I'm currently in an executive. I'm in a currently executive in logistics field. I'd like to transition. Advice. Okay, so what they're gonna go for?" 
currently an executive in logistics field. Okay. So what they're going to be looking for is experience. Um, Security Plus is great to have. And um, what you might be able to do, what I would do if I was you, is I would, there's a couple things you can do. Is uh, is you can go into pro project management and you could word your resume in such a way that shows whenever you manage projects. So you can use your previous logistics experience and your security plus knowledge to show how much experience you have you would have in a project management position. Now, if you're thinking like Bruce, I don't want to be a project manager. I want to do cybersecurity stuff. Okay, I'm just telling you, project managers make like six figures. <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep that in mind. They they do pretty good. So, and I know security guys who are going into project management or have a project management certification. Just look into it. Search project management. Search something called PMP. Uh, that's one thing you could do. So another thing you could do is as is apply for management type positions. So if you are an executive in the logistics field, that means you have a a ton of management experience. And with Security Plus, that means you have a knowledge um, in cybersecurity. So you might be able to get yourself into a cybersecurity management type position um, where you're managing a, a small group of people, right? Because now you have the experience level, you have the maturity, you have the the experience in management to where you be able to get a a IT management type position. I, those are two things that you could do that uh, would would be worth your time. That would be worth your time because you might even be able to make more uh, money that way than starting off from scratch because you have a lot of management type experience. So that's what I would do. As a matter of fact, somebody sent me a re their resume and I was, they were one, they're a military dude super sharp dude man i'm looking at his resume i'm like holy crap this guy's done you know serious stuff it's all management stuff i'm like okay this dude managed this he managed that and I'm like man this is a cybersecurity manager right here you know so what i did was i took his resume and i started reconfiguring it to be like more of like a management type position as a civilian so that was good advice yep no problem man let me see i've got some questions here on youtube on the tubes Joe says, uh, have you heard about AI bots that that's making the best coffee in Seattle called Artly Coffee Bot? What? No, I haven't heard that. Let me see what you're talking about. Artly. Artly AI bot. If it's making coffee, man, I think we're doomed. Hey. Artly, what are we talking about here? This is going too far. I think... I think we've officially gone too far if they're messing with our coffee. Your friendly neighborhood robot barista. Are you serious? What in the world? This is, is it controlled by an AI? Is this all robots or what is happening here? What the heck? Artisan coffee meets artificial intelligence and it's got an app. Got honey rose latte and snow cold brew. Dude, we are screwed, man. I don't know what to say. It's making coffee now. <laughs> Holy crap. No, I've not heard of that, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for ruining our all of our lives. 
with that information. Robot coffee sounds very, I am legend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying, but also exciting. I, you know, I for one accept our AI overlords. So I'm, I'm leaning into it. Uh, where can I find examples of implementation statements? Uh, NIST is a guide, but can so I, I wrote some of this in my book. I wrote a book called, and um, I'm just telling you, like, I know you're like, well, Bruce is trying to sell us stuff. Yes, I'm trying to sell you stuff because I'm trying to make money. <laughs> so if you're interested in implementation statements, um, I, I wrote a book. Uh, go to, I'll just show you guys. So it's on, um, it's on my site. You can go get a discount, huge discount on convocourses.net. Convocourses.net is probably the best place to buy the ebook version of it. And I've got some implementation statements in there that give you some idea of how to word it. And um, here it is right here. Let me show you, show you guys what I'm talking about here as far as the the site, if you're looking for implementation statements, if you're looking for breakdowns of how to write this stuff, that's my specialty. Um, there's a site right there. And you would go to, uh, let me see, where could you find it at? Here, templates. And then here's some of the books. The book you want is probably this one right here. This, wait, no. Uh, probably both these books, but... This one right here, this uh, controls book would probably be the best one to get. And it has a huge discount right now, 40% off for the first 50 some odd people. Another good one is a course that I have that literally breaks down some of the implementation statements. Um, not all of them. I'm working on those. That's why it's, it's still cheap. This is an introduction to it. So if you wanted to say, hey, I don't know if I want to buy this thing. This is free right here. Just get this. And this will, you know, this, if, see if this is what you want. And then this is the one that's 53% off right now at the time of this writing. I mean, of this recording. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep that, sustain that. But this also has implementation statements in it. Uh, if you want some other implementation statements, I don't even know where you would really get those, to be honest with you. That's why I wrote it. It doesn't cover every single control. There's literally over a thousand controls, so I haven't covered all of them. There's no replacement for the NIST stuff, but it does give you an idea of how to write them. Um, I take a couple controls. I think I did AC control family. I did AU controls, and then I start to word it in a way that will uh, be great for documentation. And actually, sometimes there's even templates that you can download and get some idea of like what templates are supposed to look like and how to. You know, so I don't know. That's uh, hopefully that helped you out. Let me see. And it's an AI McDonald's in Texas. Wow. What's happening? What is happening? <laughs> okay, let me see. I think that's it for me, guys. Thank you guys for, for watching. I really appreciate it. I will be having, I will have other, um, lives going throughout the week monday through friday so look out for those those will mostly be on youtube i'll try to do tiktok when i can but youtube's just more convenient for me to do that youtube and linkedin and uh and um 
Facebook, Meta, whatever the hell they're calling it these days. So I will be having that. So look out for that. If you're interested in knowing more about this, you can join our community, ComboCourses.com. We constantly having conversations throughout the week about all this kind of stuff. And there's people on here who can answer questions much better than I can or specialists on different levels of stuff. So follow us, join our group and um, level up. That's what we're all trying to do together. What's this last question here? Are there any entry level positions in cybersecurity that start off at at least 70K? Mm, well, there's different kinds of entry. This is my last question. Okay, I swear. There's different kinds of entry level positions. Okay. So there's entry level positions that have no require no experience. Those you're not going to make no 70K. You're not going to make 70K off of that. Then there's entry level positions that have two, one or two years of experience. Um, and those you might be able to make 70K if you're living in certain areas of the country. One of those would be the East Coast, specifically the DMV area. That's D.C., Virginia, Maryland area. Another one would be Plano, Texas. That's that's a hot spot for a lot of IT places, like a Silicon Valley in Texas type area. Silicon Valley itself, 70 is like nothing, but you're not going to come in with no experience with those. Um, and then probably Southern California. And then Colorado, if you're doing government straight government work but those all they're expecting you to come in with like one or two years of experience to make and you could make 70 doing that um and then another thing is if you had certain skills like certain sometimes they're looking for a certain level of skill and if you have that you could probably pull down 70 as an entry level position um so yes and no it depends on the position i would say depends on the, on the position normally it's going to be around 50 40 if you have no experience at all, you'd be lucky to get like 40 or 50 no, with no experience. But keep in mind, you get that year in, you get that eight months year in of that experience. They might hire you, you know, as a supervisor to make 50, 60, 70,000 right after being there for eight months and you're a go getter or whatever. Or you could take that experience to go somewhere else and be like, I got a year of experience. I'm trying to get this job as X, Y and Z cybersecurity person. You know, over here, here's all the security stuff I did. So hope that answers your question. That's it, guys, for this one. Thank you guys for watching. I appreciate it. I will see you guys on the next one. Same.